a copy. Oh, there they are. I was like, where did I do my glasses? That's not good when you can't see your own glasses. 50-something. But hey, do me a favor. Open your Bibles. Turn on a Bible. But get to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 today. And um, how many of you uh, work hard at a healthy body? Anybody? How many of you know, though, um, if you want a healthy body, it, it takes work. All right, you got to practice certain disciplines in order to be healthy physically. You know, you got to practice the discipline of eating right. Uh, you got to practice the discipline of exercise. You got to practice the discipline of getting good rest and sleep and and drinking plenty of water and all that stuff. Okay, you do those things and it should work out. You just you get healthy physically. Well, the thing is, it's no different spiritually. All right. As a Christian, as a believer in Christ, the Bible talks about us that, that we need to practice spiritual disciplines so we can be healthy spiritually. So our relationship with Christ and, and our walk with Christ is strong and healthy and we're growing spiritually. And some of those disciplines are like the discipline of, of studying God's word, uh, meditating on God's word. The discipline of, of, of giving, the discipline of serving, the discipline of worship. All those are great disciplines that help us grow. And there's also the discipline of prayer. The discipline of prayer because prayer keeps us connected to the Heavenly Father. Prayer keeps us that channel of communication open between us and Jesus. And, and so prayer is a vital um, discipline to practice. But the reality is, if we were probably very truthful, a lot of us don't practice that prayer. We don't practice that discipline. And, and the, the reality is, there's many reasons why we don't practice that discipline. You know, um, we get busy. That's reality. We get distracted. We get bored. You know, you pray for two minutes, like, ah, I'm bored already. You know, some of us think, well, what's the point of praying? It doesn't work anyway. But sometimes we don't pray um, because we just don't know how, or we don't know what to pray for. You know, I mean, you may get a, a, a text from somebody, you see something on Facebook, you may hear somebody, hey, so-and-so is sick, they're going into the hospital, maybe you've got health issues, your family's got health, you pray for, for, for health issues, but how many of you know that goes for about two minutes? Or maybe you've got a financial issue, you pray for that, that's about 30 seconds worth. But the reality is we pray for the basics, don't we? Well, what happens when we're done with the basics? Well, I've prayed for that already this week. I don't need to pray for it again. So prayer really goes kind of to the sideline. And we don't pray. Well, Jesus, in chapter 17 here, all of chapter 17 is one long prayer. And Jesus is, is closing shop with his disciples now. Remember, We've been going through the book of John chapter by chapter, and over um, chapters 13 through 18 is Jesus spending the final hours with his disciples. He's been teaching them a lot of things. He's been telling them a lot of things because they're about to be on their own, and he's trying to pass the baton to them. And um, he's now in the final moments with his disciples, and the thing he does is no longer teach them anything. He prays. And, and, and the thing is, the things that Jesus prays for, he prays specifically for six things. And these six things you and I can pray for. 
And, the reality, and what we're going to see is the reality is not only does Jesus pray these things, but who he prays for. He prays for three people, himself, the present disciples, and then future disciples. Raise your hand if you're a future disciple. Jesus was praying for you, all right? And so today, I want to look at how we, you and I can pray like Jesus and the things Jesus prayed for. And so I want to look at six things. Now, here's the thing about this message. It's going to be rather short and fast, not so I can get you to lunch. Because at the end of my message, I want to put this into application. And that's why we have this mic. We're going to have, we've done this before, an open mic prayer time. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jeff, one of our elders, if after my prayer, if he'll join me up here. I want to have him open us in prayer. And then while he's praying, if you feel led, you want to come up here and pray. You can pray for, for people in the church. You can pray for what I'm going to be preaching on. But I want us, as we have done throughout this year, and that why we're going to do it in October, continually pressing into the presence of God, trying to press into his throne room, to, to petition him, to, to seek his face, to ask God, continuing to, to move and to work and to act. All in favor for that? So we're going to put this message into application immediately right after the message. So let's look at six things that we can pray for as Jesus prayed for these six things. And here's the first thing. Pray for glorification. We can pray for glorification. Starting with uh, chapter 17, verse 1. It said, when Jesus had spoken these words, now he's done teaching. He lifts up his eyes to heaven and said... Father, the hour has come. The hour has come, meaning it is time for me to die. He says, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him all authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had before the world existed. You notice the word glory, glorified, keeps popping up, all right? In fact, five times in these verses, Jesus uses the word glory or glorified. And in this entire prayer, eight times he uses the word glory or glorified. So the idea is, it looks like Jesus is making the word glory or glorified an important subject here, all right? So we better understand what does that mean? What does it mean to glory or to glorify? Well, something also we need to see is that there's actually two uses of the word here, okay? In, chapter, in verse 4, here's, the first, here's one way he uses it. Notice he says, um, no, in verse 5, I'm sorry. He says, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus is talking about when I, was, when, when I was in heaven, before anything ever existed, there was glory. He's like, I, the Father glorified me. I, 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 was, I was in this glory. This is a different glory than being glorified or, or glorifying something. What Jesus is talking about here, the glory, when he's talking about, I want that glory again, he's talking about the majesticness, the awesomeness, the splendor, the radiance when we read the Bible and it says that the whole earth is full of God's glory, it is talking about having you. When Paul and I were down in, 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 in Seaside over our vacation, every single night 
that sun would just start to come down. And it was, I mean, there was only one word to use. What do you think it is? Awesome. Just awesome. That is the glory of God filling the earth. When you see something and all you can do is just go, oh, the awe, the glory of God. It, it blows you away. It's, it's magnificent. That's what Jesus is talking about here in verse 5. He's like, God, when I come back, I want that glory again. Because for 33 years, he didn't have it. Now he's going back to it. And here's the good news. That's the glory you're going to experience when you move from this place into heaven. So that's one use of the word glory. But the, but the real use of it where Jesus is going is like giving glory or, or glorifying something. And so Jesus is talking about the fact that he has glorified the Father. To glory or to, 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 to glorify or to bring glory to someone, it literally means to manifest the splendid greatness of another. The idea is, is to exalt someone, to honor someone above everything. And so Jesus is like, Father, I have glorified you. I have exalted you. I have honored you while I've been here. But the question is, is how did Jesus do that? Is it just by him just saying, I exalt you, Lord. I exalt you, Father. I glorify. That is not that's one way, but that is not really how he glorified the Father. Look at verse 4. Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, and here it is, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That is how you and I glorify the Father. Jesus is like, here's how I brought glory to you, Father. I did what you told me to do. You gave me a mission, and I have fulfilled it. And I'm about to accomplish and put it all the way to an end. And all the way to his death, he glorified the Father. He, he exalted God the Father. He honored God the Father. He, he displayed the splendor of the greatness of God by what he did. What a great thing for you and I to pray. You and I can pray that Jesus is praying for himself. He's praying, God, I have glorified you. Isn't that a great thing for you and I to pray? Father, help me to glorify you. Holy Spirit, help me to exalt my Savior. Holy Spirit, help me to live in such a way that exalts and glorifies and honors my Heavenly Father. Wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, whatever I say, let it bring glory to God. When I'm around other people, help me to act that brings glory to God. Help me to serve that brings glory to God. Help me to bring glory and honor and exalt the Lord with my money. Everything that I do, everything that I have, let it bring glory to you, Heavenly Father. That's a great prayer. Let me ask you, when was the last time you prayed that prayer? Oh, I never thought of that. Well, Jesus is praying it for himself. Shouldn't we be praying that for ourselves? And how about if we, and here's the thing, Jesus prays for himself, he prays for the disciples, he prays for others. Shouldn't we also be praying that for other people? 
How about if we started praying that for for our church? Father, I pray that everyone in our church is living a life where we're exalting you. That we as a church are exalting you, God. That when people come into this place, they, they experience an exaltation. I pray that this morning you guys experience us glorifying God through worship. That you just this is like, eh, whatever, that you engaged in that, and it it just was an overflow, Paula kept saying it, from the heart. I just want to exalt and glorify and honor my heavenly Father. What a great thing to pray. So Jesus prays for the first thing. He prays for glorification. Here's the second thing we can pray for. Pray for salvation. So pray for glorification. Pray for salvation. Now verse 3. And he says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Key word here is to know. That word know actually comes from a Greek word. The Greek word is gnosko. I just like saying it, gnosko. And it actually means to emphasize an experiential relationship rather than just necessity information. Jesus is talking about moving past, and and we've seen this so many times as we've studied the book of John. Jesus distinguishing between knowing and knowing. There are people who knew about Jesus. They, they, They knew where he was from. They knew his mom and dad. They knew how he grew up. They knew facts about Jesus, but there was only a few who knew Jesus. The disciples, they they move past the basics. They move past the surface level of knowing Jesus to going deeper about their knowledge of who Jesus is. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, here's what eternal life is. If you ever really want to know what eternal life is, it's not just heaven. It is people who know who Jesus is. It's not just, well, I know facts about Jesus. How many of you know there's a lot of people sitting in churches today who have a lot of facts about Jesus? They know that Jesus was in heaven and he came to earth. They know that Jesus was born to Mary. They know that Jesus lived on earth. They know that Jesus died on a cross, and that is it. It doesn't go any further than that. They have no experiential relationship with Jesus to connect them to the Father. Jesus says, I pray that these will know you, Father, and know me. And the way that happens is through a personal relationship with Christ. you got to know Jesus personally, not just facts. Because Jesus says, there will be a lot of people who will stand before me, and I will look at them and say, I never knew you. And then they will go off and kind of like check off all these things. Well, I did this. We knew that. And he's like, I never knew you. It's not what you know about Jesus that gets you to heaven. It's that you know Jesus that gets you to heaven. you got to know him. you got to come to the place where you personally turn from sin, where you say, Jesus, I acknowledge I am a sinner. And Jesus, I need you to save me. And you accept him and receive him into your life. And when you receive him for your personal savior, Jesus, I know you. That is when you and I become, as Jesus has said in, in the book of John, when you know me, you know the Father. So when you have that personal relationship with Jesus, you now have a personal relationship with the Father. 
And that's what Jesus is talking about. He goes, that is eternal life. And so today, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, you don't know eternal life yet. You've got to come to the place where you personally receive Christ as your Savior. But what a great prayer. If you're saved, you don't need to pray that prayer for you. But let me ask you, do you have people in your family that doesn't know Christ? Pray for them. Do you have friends who don't know Christ? Man, I would encourage you when you get up on Sunday morning, pray for what happens in here on Sunday mornings. I mean, kind of think about that for a moment. How many of us wake up on Sunday morning? We get our cup of joe, we eat our breakfast, we watch some news, we go through our stuff, we drive to church, we go to the church, we listen to the message, we sing our songs, and then we go home. Have you ever stopped on a Sunday morning to go, there's something going to be taking place in this place? And it's not physical. It is spiritual. And you know what? I, I, I want to help what Paula and the worship team is going to be doing. I want to help what Devon's going to be teaching. I want to help what the elders have got to do in this place. I want to help Pastor Jim preach. Here's the thing. You, you can't help me preach physically, but you can help me spiritually. You can help Devon spiritually. You can help what's going on in his church spiritually. And the way that happens is before you ever get here, you're already here by praying. Praying because how many of you know there may be people on here? I just gave the gospel a second ago. I don't know who knows Christ in here and who it there. I don't know every heart. But what we need are people praying that you would be praying, Father, if Pastor Jim gives that, that message today and there's someone who doesn't know the gospel, I pray, Father, for salvation for that person. You see, we need to be praying for salvation. And so we need to pray for family. We need to pray for friends and co-workers. Pray for the church. We pray for the salvation of people so they will come to know who Christ is. So we pray for glorification. We pray for salvation. Here's the third thing. Pray for revelation. Pray for revelation. In verse 6, Jesus, he begins, he continues his prayer, and he says, I have manifested your name to the people. Again, he's just like, I've glorified your name to everyone around me, whom you have given me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. He's talking about that, that people who come to Christ, you always got to remember this. You don't come to Christ because you just decide one day. Like you just wake up and like, I think I, I, need, I need Jesus. The Spirit draws you. The Spirit of God awakens your heart. The Spirit of God gives you a revelation to your sin. The, the, it, 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 he gives you a, a revelation to your, your depravity. He gives you a revelation of your need for a Savior. You see, the Holy Spirit draws you. And, and so Jesus is like, God, you have drawn these people, and you've given them to me. So if you've known Christ, it's like God has given you to Christ because you were awakened to the truth of who Jesus is. And that's what Jesus is kind of saying here. And he says, so he goes, you, yours they were, and you gave them to me. And he says, and they have kept your word. Now look at verse 7. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you have gave me, and they have received them. And here it is again. And have come to know in truth 
that I came from you, and they have believed that you have sent me. Again, notice the word no. All right. Again, Jesus, it's the same Greek word, moving past just superficial, moving past just facts to knowledge, to knowing, to a depth there. All right. It's like they know me because I've given them their word. And he's like, and they know the word and now they have come to believe in me. You see, knowledge of facts doesn't lead to salvation. Knowledge of knowing who Jesus is and what he's done moves me to knowing him. And that gets me to a belief in him. If you look at, at the end of uh, chapter 17, look at uh, verse 25. He prays, says, Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that, they, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You notice he says, the world doesn't know you. Unbelievers, they don't know Jesus. They know about Jesus, but they don't have a relationship with him. When he says these, he's talking about those who become believers. He's talking about the disciples, but in this section, he's also now praying for us. People who will come to faith because of the message of the disciples. He's like, these people know there's a depth there. And that's what he's hitting home here. This is the same thing that Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul prays and he says, I pray that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Jesus wants us to have a deeper knowledge of him, a deeper, like, a revelation of, wow, get it. Because here's the, here's the truth we need to grasp, guys. The, how you know God the Father, how you know Jesus anchors your faith. Let me say that again. How you know God how you know Jesus angers your faith. Because here's why. When you're going through the storm, when you're going through that fiery trial, when you, as we sang, when it seems like your world is washing out to sea, what are you anchored to? Because, because the reality is, if I don't know God, if I don't know Jesus, if I don't have that relationship with him, if I don't know his character, I don't know the depth of his love, I don't know the depth of his compassion, I don't know the depth of his mercy, the depth of his forgiveness, if I don't know him, then it is so easy for me to drift. It is so easy for me to not to be anchored to him that when the storm hits, I'm drifting. But when I know him, when I'm anchored to him, when my faith is in him, the storm hits, the winds blow, the water crashes, but I don't move. Why? Because I am on the rock. And I know that I know that I know that rock does not move. So when I know that rock's not going to move, I may not have the answers. I may not get what I want to see. God may do something completely different than what I think, but I trust him. 
I believe he's still good to me. I believe that he, he has my best in mind. I believe that he, he, he's working for the absolute good in my life, even when it doesn't make sense to me. Why? Because I know him. I know him. That's what Jesus is getting at here. He's like, I want you to know him. And what a great prayer. Pray that for yourself. God, help me to know you better. Help me to know who you are. Help me to have my, my knowledge deeper in you. Pray that, husbands, pray that for your wives. Wives, pray that for your husbands. Parents, pray that for your children. Children, pray that for your parents. Pray that for your family members, for church members. Pray that for, I mean, what a great prayer to pray. And you can pray that one a lot. When was the last time you prayed for revelation? Here's the fourth thing. Pray for, perfect, pray for protection. Pray for protection. Look at verse 9. He says, I am praying for them. He's praying for the disciples, but also this is, a, I, I believe this can also apply to those who would come to believe. He says, I'm praying for them. I am not praying for the world. But for those who have you have given me, for they are yours. When he says, I'm not praying for the world, he's praying for those who aren't believers. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus never prayed for believers. But in context, he's praying specifically for those who believe in him. And here's why. He goes on and he says in verse 10, All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world. But they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have, get, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, which scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Now that's a, that's a mouthful there, but basically summing it up, Jesus is saying this, Father, I'm out of this place. And the world, when he says, I'm out of the world, I'm not in this world, he's talking to the earth. He's like, I'm about to leave this place, God. I'm coming back to you. But these, these loved ones, they're staying. And Lord, the reality is, Father, the reality is the evil one is coming after them. And Lord, they're going to be in the world. The world hates them, meaning the other the unbelievers, they're going to hate them and they're going to be persecuted. Father, while I've been here, I've watched over these men. I've watched over them and I've guarded them and I've protected them. Now that's going to be gone. So Father, I am praying, watch over them, guard them, protect them. Now here's the thing. The protection that Jesus is praying is not physical. Because all kinds of physical stuff is going to happen to these men. He's praying for the spiritual. Because here's why. You, how many of you know, Jesus said this, you can have the entire world but still forfeit your soul. So he's, he's praying. It doesn't matter what happens in the physical. Because life can be really, really good and people still walk away from God. But life can become really, really hard and people will walk away from God. So Jesus is not praying about the physical. He's saying, God, protect them spiritually. 
because that's the thing that matters most of anything. Here's the reality you and I need to understand. The enemy, Satan, is coming after you. Not like to possess you or anything like that. He is a tempter. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is an accuser. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be watchful. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour not physically. He's going to devour you, devour you spiritually. But he uses your physical circumstances to cripple you spiritually. So the enemy, he's going to tempt you with physical things to get you to sin spiritually. The enemy is going to tell you lies and bring accusations against you. He's going to tell you things like when you're going through the storm, and you've heard me say this a thousand times, he's going to keep telling you and lying to you all the time, if God loved you, you wouldn't be in this predicament. If God cared about you, you would be healed. If God truly loved you, you would have all the finances you need. But obviously, God doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't want you. So why do you keep trying to serve him? Walk away already. It's the thing that Job's wife told him. Just curse God already and die. And the enemy wants to do the same thing. And you've got to understand that he is coming after you, both barrels loaded all the time. He doesn't take a day off. The enemy is not resting on his laurels. He is going to come after you 24-7. And he finds, he finds your places where he can get to you through lies and temptations and accusations and deception. And he's going to keep hitting. He's going to keep hitting. He's going to keep hitting. Now, do you understand why you've got to know who Christ is? why you got to know who the Father is, why you got to be glorifying the Father, why you got to be... Because the enemy does not stop the onslaught. As Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, his fiery arrows are coming at you all the time. Pray for protection. Pray that God would guard your spirit, guard you as you walk day by day on this side of heaven. Fifthly, pray for sanctification. Pray for sanctification. Look at verse 16. He says, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Meaning the, the world's system and the, its thinking and its beliefs. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. It's all about truth and about his word. If you look again in verse 6, he says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you give me out of this world. Um, they are yours, they, you've given me, and they have kept your word. In verse 8, he prays it again. He says, for I have given them your words that you gave me. In verse 14, he says it again. He says, I have given them your word. You see, it's about the word of God. And the word of God sanctifies us. And that word sanctified means to make holy. It just simply means to be more like Christ, to grow up spiritually, to be strong in our faith. You see, this is so as you and I read the word, study the word, meditate on the word, take the word in, hear it preached, and we just keep 
And as we apply the word, and as we live it out, guess what happens? It strengthens you spiritually. It transforms you. It, it, it works in you. It, it, it does something in us. It's the word of God that, that, that needs to be in us. Because Jesus says it's about the word. It's about the word. It's about the word. The word of God. See, that's why we preach the word. That's why we teach the word. Because it's got to be the word of God that, that, that strengthens us and changes us and transforms us. It's the word of God that when we're going through the storms, we rely on that we go back to and we can see the promises of God in the word of God. And we see, okay, I see what, and this is how we grow in our knowledge of God. And so as I, as I read the word, as I know the word, I begin to know who Christ is more. I get to know who God is more. And that helps me through this life. When the enemy's coming at me, the storms are coming at me, when everything is just, God, I'm ready to go home, I've got the word. And it is sanctifying me. It is changing me and transforming me. And then lastly, so we pray for glorification. We pray for salvation. We pray for revelation. We pray for protection. We pray for sanctification. And lastly, we pray for unification. Pray for unification. Look at verse 20. Now he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That is us. That they, may, that they all may be one, just as, you, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them as I have loved them. You see, you notice he keeps saying one, 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 that they may be one. He's like, Father, as I am in you and you are in me, we're perfectly one. I want them to be perfectly one, unified. But did you notice who, the purpose of unity in the church? Is it for the church or for something else? Did you notice it? It's for unbelievers. He's like, I pray they would be one so that. I want the church to be one, Father. I want these believers to be one so that, here's the purpose, the reason why we need to be one and unified, that those who see it will know. They will know that they believe in me. They will know that I came to them. They will know. Jesus already said, here's how unbelievers will know that you're my disciples, by how you love each other. He doesn't say, here's how the world will know you are my disciple by how many verses you can quote, by being able to say all the books in the Bible without even hesitating. And you, Genesis, I can live it in an order. That's how people will know. No, no. He goes, here's how people who don't know me will come to know who I am by the church being unified, by the church loving each other. That doesn't mean we're not going to have our issues and have problems with one another, but boy. The past few, years, past few years have been hard. I think the past few years have shown some real ugliness within the church, especially, and I mean, I, I'm not going to talk about the, the world, but locally, there's just been some nasty stuff, a lot of bad stuff that, that the church has done. And, and, I've, and I have, I have, I've had conversations with unbelievers, and it's just like they got a black eye from it all. And they're just like, oh, man, I don't, it, it, 
we have got to love each other. We have got to be unified. And what a great prayer. That's a great prayer for the church all the time, isn't it? Lord God, help us to be unified. Guys, I think we're doing great as a church. I think we're loving each other. I think people are just stepping up to serve and to whatever needs. But how many of you know we can't rest on our laurels? We got to be praying, God, help us to keep unified. Help us to have a unification in this church that is sweet, God. So when people come into this, this place, they feel the love of Christ among us. That people, that there's no, that people outside can't say, oh, man, do not go to that church. Man, that's church fight all the time. Don't go. We don't want that, do we? We want people going, man, that church loves each other, and that church really loves people. It's a great church to go to. I would encourage you to go. Six things that we can pray for, right? My challenge to you outside of today is, are you praying them? I've given you six things that you can pray for. So next time you're like, well, I just don't know what to pray for. Get out your notes, open up John 17, and begin to pray these six things. Pray them for yourself, for your family, pray them for friends, for the church, pray them for coworkers, pray them for others. And I'm telling you, just if you begin to just pray those six things, you'll pray 20 minutes. I, I mean, you'll just like, wow, I've been praying for 20. Usually it's like two or three. I prayed for 20 minutes. And wow, God, you've really just worked in my heart. Let's put this into practice now. Jeff, will you come up here and join me, please? I would like for us just to have a time, like I said, just an open time, open mic of prayer. I'm going to ask Jeff to open us. If you feel led, if you want to come forward, please do so. Pray whatever God puts on your heart. If you don't want to come, I encourage you to pray right in your seat. Pray these six things. Pray for people that, that you know right now who are just needing a, a touch of God's hand on their life. Let's keep praying for the Holy Spirit to keep moving in this place. Keep praying that God would just touch lives in this place. So as Jeff is praying, um, if, you want to, if you feel led, please come forward. And then as I feel that it's starting to slow down, I'm going to close this in prayer, all right? So Jeff, why don't you miss, please?
we sang this morning as I sang this morning I have nothing fit for you and yet you desire a relationship with me you desire me to spend time with you in prayer and in your word and I don't know why but I'm so thankful that you do and I just pray God that you would help me teach me lead me transform my heart to be one who is truly in relationship with you. As Pastor Jim said, not just facts, but knowing that you know me and I know you. God, grow me in that. And thank you.
I just pray that <clears throat> that the people here, that the people um, who come to this church, the people who will come, God, would glorify you, Lord, that it is our singular desire to show off to you, Lord, to show the world who you are, that those that are lost will see you and know you, that we can help them to know you and they are not alone. They are not alone in heaven. They are not alone. Lord, I pray that you would unify us, Lord, that we would be the true family of God with each other here and with other Christians, God, that our love would be big, that our words would be slow and kind, that we would come from a place of would not um, defame one another, that we would not push um, non-believers away because of our hardness and our um, just criticism, God. Lord, I pray that you would give us unity, that you would sanctify us by your truth, that our hearts would be one of love, of truth, of kindness, as Jesus was kindness, gentleness, lowly, and yet had the word of God. Lord, I pray that we would be more like you, that we wouldn't look like anything in this world, that we would only look like you, Lord. We can't do it. for salvation, Lord. I pray that you would bring people into our lives, and there are already people in our lives that need you, God. Help us to pray for salvation. Help us to speak your word, just like Jesus said, I gave them your word, and you believe, and they believed. And so, God, open our mouths. Make us brave. We have the words of salvation. So, Lord, I just pray for that. And, God, I pray for protection that so many um, people so many people are not anchored to the truth, are not anchored to you. They don't know you. When the storm comes, you can only trust what you really know. And so, Lord, I pray that um, we would know you. And I pray for our children's ministry, and I pray for Sunday school. I pray for people, workers in these fields, because these kids need to be strong. We need to be strong. We need to know the word, Lord, that we are not blown away by what happens, by what we see. It's confusing, but we know you. When we don't understand your, your hand, we see your face. We know you. And so, God, I just pray that we would be a church, that we would do the work that you've called us to do here. Why did you put us here? Show us. Show us your glory. Show us your plan. Let us do the work, God. Give us hearts to do the work, to be near you, I pray. Strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen.
gracious and eternal Father, we just thankful, thankful to have the opportunity to pray. Uh, we can pray individually in our cars in the morning before we go to bed, but when we come together as people that love you, and we can corporately just listen to each other because the prayer of others can strengthen me. The words that people say build up my soul, and so I'm thankful to have an opportunity to just listen and bathe in uh, the prayers of people that love Christ. Lord, I just, uh, I'm thankful to, um, to be in a church that I can not only look around and see people that love Christ, but I can look around and see people that love me, and that's a wonderful, beautiful thing course, the Bible says we have to love each other. We should love each other. But the reality is sometimes that's just not the truth, even in the house of God. But I love that, that I can look around and I can see love and I can see people walking like Jesus walked. None of us are perfect. And we're not going to be perfect until Jesus comes back. But that doesn't mean we can't be progressive and we can't strive to do the best we can do every single day with help. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you help us individually and collectively. Help us to love people. Help us to love ourselves. I pray for health, both physical, spiritual, and mentally. There are so many people that struggle to really forgive themselves, to love themselves. God told us he remembers our sins no more once we ask for forgiveness, but we don't forgive ourselves. We hold on to the things that we've done wrong, how we've hurt people or we've hurt ourselves, and we just let those thoughts harbor in our mind. And I'm just here to ask, Lord, let us let those go. Let us forgive ourselves. Forgive our family. There are broken families that are in the house of God. Lord, I pray for unity in those families. That mothers will come back to sons and daughters. And sons and daughters will come back to mothers and fathers, Lord. I lift up me and my family. Lord, I watch over and look at my wife and my son every day and just thankful for the for the blessing that you've given to me, but I remind myself that they were yours before they were ever mine. So I just thank you for just allowing me as the, the man in our house to do my best, and not that I'm perfect, but do my best to lead us, to understand that uh, leading doesn't mean warning, but to listen uh, to my family, to help me understand how to better be the man that you've called me to be. Lord, I lift up our, our small group, great men and women of God, Lord, doing everything they can to be what you've called us to be for you, for our country, for our world. There are people out here that need to see Christ, and the only way they're going to see Christ is to see the Christ in us. So, Lord, let us lead that life to be the Christians you've called us to be, and not just on Sunday morning every single day at our jobs 
in the supermarket, on the internet, everywhere, that when people see us, hear us, see the words we say, how we carry ourselves, that they can say, wow, that's what a Christian's supposed to be. I want some of that. They have peace. They have strength. They have joy. They have Jesus. And if I can get Jesus like they have it, maybe I can have some peace as well. So Lord, just thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we are grateful that you love us. Grateful, Father, that you've sent Christ to die for each and every one of us. We all are sinners. We deserve nothing from you. But while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. And through him, we have been justified before you. Through him, we have eternal life. And Lord, we just pray that you would just keep working in our lives. Lord, none of us are perfect. None of us are going to do this thing right on this side of heaven. But Lord, help us to progressively, as Paul says, forget what is behind and keep moving on toward the goal. To keep pressing on toward Christ. Lord, keep changing us. Change our minds. Change our hearts. Change our wills. Father, do a work in us that only you can do. Help us to glorify you and see the work that you are doing, Lord. We are the, the clay and you are the potter. Shape us and mold us, Father, and help us to be quick to give you glory, Father. Lord, even in times when it doesn't make sense to us, when we pray for something and you do something opposite, when you, we want something our way and you don't give it to us, Father, help us to, to know that you are still the way maker. Help us to know that you are still the good, great God. Lord, when we don't see it, when we don't feel it, you are still working, you are still moving, you are still acting. And Father, each and every day as we progress through this world on this side of heaven, protect us, watch us, and guard us, Father. Protect us spiritually. Keep us from drifting. Keep us from wandering. Keep us from believing the lies of the enemy. Keep us from feeling and accepting those accusations he brings against us. Father, protect us from the temptations that he throws at us. Protect us and guard us from the deceptions, Lord. Father, help us to walk with Christ. Help us to honor you. Help us to be a church that loves one another. Help us to be one as you, Lord Jesus, and the Father are one. Help us to reflect Christ all around us. Help us to reflect Christ on our jobs. Help us to reflect Christ to our neighbors, to our family members, to those who come into this place, Lord. Father, we just thank you that you, you care for us, you love us, you have a, a, a perfect plan for our, our lives. But Father, while we wait, help us to keep our eyes focused on you, to set our hearts on you, to not love this world and set our things on this world because this world is fading and passing. Help us to remember, Lord, that everything through all of our troubles are light and momentary compared to the eternal glory that we will experience one day. Because, Lord, right now on this side of heaven, Jesus, you said we will have trouble, but take heart, you have overcome this world because heaven is coming. 
So, Father, we thank you. We praise you for this day. Lord, help us to go away. Help us to be people who will pray, to pray like Christ, to pray these things, Lord, for ourselves, for family, for friends, for the church. That, Lord, you would keep doing a work that only you can do. And we praise you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Harvest, you all are loved. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed week. Go home. Let's be people of prayer. I've given you six things to pray for. Amen? Harvest, you go.